few more harrowing moments while driving a car than hitting a deer. How many of you ever hit a deer in your life? Look at all those hands. Look at all those dead deer represented in the sanctuary. <laughs> Several years ago, while driving a very lonely stretch of Interstate 75 through Indiana at 2 o'clock in the morning, a deer scampered out in front of me, causing a full-speed collision. The deer ran right into my front bumper and then rolled around, hit the headlight, and then onto the side-view mirror. I was one of the lucky ones, apparently. I mean, I'm glad the deer didn't wind up in front of my lap, for all I've heard. I was so full of adrenaline that I kept on driving for several miles until I calmed myself down and pulled off the next exit in order to stop at a gas station. I was still trembling a little bit when I walked into the gas station to where the attendant said, Sir, it looks like you've seen a ghost. I said, No, I, I just hit a deer about 10 miles up the interstate. And then the attendant uh, looked at me very seriously and said, Did you report it to the police? And then I was filled with another set of fear. I didn't know the state laws. I didn't know if I was supposed to report such things to the police. Here I am thinking this attendant's going to call me in and have me arrested and I'd have to pay a hefty fine or worse, wind up in jail. So I'm thinking through my responses when I finally said, uh, no, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I, I didn't report the accident. Was I supposed to? To which the attendant said to me, well... If you had told the police, they might have let you keep the deer. <laughs> and so now all I could picture is this deer strapped to the top of a rental car between here and Tampa. <laughs> you know, there's a phrase that we often use to describe paralyzing fear. You've heard this before. It's called, it's called deer in the headlights, right? It's being gripped with so much fear that it almost feels like you can't move, that you, you can't do anything, you can't act, you can't walk. Many of you know that for about eight years I lived in a small town in the upper Midwest called Cherokee, Iowa. And one evening I was driving a car out one of the major roads out of Cherokee when right there in the middle of hi in the highway, and I'm not making this up, there were about 30 deer just congregating, just standing there. It was like they were caucusing for a presidential candidate or something. <laughs> and here I'm driving up in my car with my headlights on, and instantly all of those deer freeze and they turn their heads and they look at me like 30 pairs of ghoulish green eyes staring back at me. It was like, it was like I'd stepped into an episode of The Walking Dead or something. And they weren't moving. It was like they were daring me. It was like this standoff of like deer versus De Vega or something, which would probably be the name of a terrible reality show. But they wouldn't move. Scientists have done these experiments to come to the conclusion that because deer are most active at night, 
Once the sun goes down, the pupils of the eyes of deer dilate throughout the entire night in order to take in as much of the low light as possible, which means that in an instant when a bright light comes at them, like, like car headlights, or, in the case of Luke, an angel in the night sky, that bright light fills those dilated pupils with so much light that it causes them to freeze, that they literally, physically are unable to move. They cannot walk. And if Luke, the gospel writer, owned a car and was driving in the Midwest in the middle of November, he probably would have said that the shepherds, once they saw that bright light in the sky, because they had been so accustomed to operating in the night, those shepherds had a deer in the headlights look. Because sometimes, even though good news might come to us in the form of a bright flashing light out of the sky. We're so accustomed to living in the dark that when the good news comes, we don't know how to move. We don't know how to walk. And I suspect that that phrase, deer in the headlights, might be more than an apt description for the way many of us, if not most of us, are experiencing life right now. Fear. Fear that that loss of a loved one over this past year might have created a hole in your life that is just far too big to fill. Fear that that broken relationship that you have with that person just might be past the point of healing. Fear that your children might just be so lost that you'll be utterly helpless to assist them. Fear that our politics are so broken or that our country is so divided or that our future feels so bleak that we have no way of knowing what the future holds. Fear that that addiction within you that you've been fighting for so long just might be too strong for you to overcome it. Fear that the people of Aleppo or Sudan, or so many war-torn places in this world just might be too ravaged to even think about helping. So much fear, so much darkness, that even when a glimmer of bright light comes, even when good news comes in the form of Jesus, we are too used to the dark to be able to take even one step forward, to walk in the light. So it should not be a surprise that when Luke describes this story in the second chapter, the first words out of the angel's mouths are this, do not be afraid. But it should surprise us that the first thing that the shepherds say when they hear the angels is this, come on boys, let's go for a walk. Except when you remember that one of the Bible's most prevalent images for a spiritual journey is just that, going for a walk, a long walk. When God was revealed to Abraham, Abraham took a walk, a long journey from Ur where he had established his homeland and took his family and his possessions and went to Canaan, 
just like God had told him. When God came to the Israelites and broke them free from Egypt, the Israelites took a long walk through the wilderness. When Jesus was wanting to advance his message, he took 70 of his followers and told them all to go for a long walk to the surrounding villages and towns and do miracles in his name. Jonah took a walk, Joseph took a walk, Elijah took a walk, Moses took a walk, even Jesus himself took a walk. The Bible is filled with images of people who when they hear the voice of God, when they see the possibility of new hope and good news, they lace up their shoes and rather than being paralyzed with fear, they take a journey and they go where God calls them. Sometimes that means literally. One of the earliest Greek philosophers named Diogenes of Simone is credited with coining a phrase called solvitur ambulando, which means it is solved by walking. It is solved by walking. Diogenes was struggling one day over a very difficult puzzle that philosophers before him had been unable to solve. And in the process of trying to solve that puzzle, he decided to go for a walk. And what he discovered was sometimes simply the act of going outside and lacing up your shoes and basking in nature and going for a walk to get outside of your head, to get some new perspective, to get some fresh air, to get into your body and take one step in front of the other, clears your mind and enables you to figure out problems. I think there's a lot of wisdom in that, literally speaking, going out for a walk. Salvatore ambulando means that sometimes, even in the midst of our deepest, most fearful problems that are gripping us or our family, or our world can be solved by simply taking the journey one step at a time. And sometimes that means the biggest problem we face is not the presenting problem itself. It's overcoming inertia. It's overcoming that tendency that we all have to be so paralyzed by whatever we're facing that we would rather sit back and do nothing than to take the risk and take that first step. Which is why, of all four Sundays that we have experienced this Advent season, this Sunday, this W word, may be the most important one of all. Because after the first Sunday of Advent, we heard about waiting. Waiting and developing patience for God to act and intervene in the world. Week two, we learned about watching. Learning to raise our spiritual antenna in order to watch for the ways that God is working in our life and throughout the world. Last Sunday, through the story of Mary, we were reminded that we need to be open to the possibility of wonder and the evidence that God is among us. But if we just stop with those first three words, we might fall for the notion that 
the Advent journey is simply a passive experience where we wait, where we watch, where we wonder and sit idly by for God to do all that is necessary to fix our problems and transform the world. And this fourth Sunday would remind us that we have something to do. We need to walk. We need to take that first step. We need to take that journey. No matter how much risk is involved. It's important for us to remember as Wesleyan Christians. That we don't believe in a God who does it all on the one hand. And that we don't believe in human beings have the, having the capacity to do it all. We believe in a third way. That we believe in free will and we believe in God's providential power. We believe on the one hand that God has done everything in Jesus Christ that is necessary for salvation. That God has given us all that is necessary for grace. God has empowered us to do things. But on the other hand, John Wesley would say we also have a responsibility to do something with that grace. Our good works are not necessary for us to be saved. Our good works are necessary because we are saved. And therefore, when God's grace comes to us in the form of a bright flashing light, our response is not to simply sit idly by. Our response is to walk. To do something with it. To take that journey, no matter how risky it might be. Because I have to say this, that journey, whatever that journey is that God might be calling you to right now to solve whatever problem you might be facing, it's not always going to be easy. You know this deep down inside. The moment you take that first step, the questions are going to rise. Questions like, what will happen to me when I take this first step? What if it's too hard for me? What if I find myself alone? What if there's a temptation for me to go backward? What if I don't know the way? What if I take that first step and I don't know where that next step is supposed to be? Where will I turn if I feel so alone? And it could be that all of those questions surface within your mind. But I would say that those questions are not yours to worry about right now. All that you have to worry about right now is overcoming inertia. Taking that first step and not worrying about step two or step three. Because when the time is right for you to take step two, God will illuminate that path for you. Not sooner, not later, not any other step. But when that next step comes, you just got to take it. And then take the next one. And then take the next one. Until all of a sudden you find yourself walking a straight line journey that you never thought you could take. Because here's the other thing about human beings. We're not able to walk straight lines on our own. I've used this illustration before. I even included it in one of my Advent books. There's a German scientist named Jan Schumann who did a rather interesting experiment. It was covered by NPR several months ago. What he did was he took all of his test subjects and he put blindfolds on all these people. And one by one, he set them free on one side of a very large field. 
And he gave them the very simple instruction to walk a straight line while blindfolded from one end of the field to the other. Then he fixed an overhead video camera to watch where they went. The results were comical. Not a single person, while blindfolded, was able to walk a straight line. They thought they were. They thought, just, by, just based on where they thought they were in relation to everything else in the field, that they were walking a straight line. But they were amazed when they watched the footage. There were similar experiments that were conducted all throughout this past century. And without fail, each of those individuals would walk loop-de-loops. Complete circles, odd angles, weird turns. In some cases, they would end up very close to where they started, much to their embarrassment. And Jan Schumann concluded this. Human beings are utterly incapable to find their own inherent sense of direction to walk a completely straight line on their own. And here's the advice he gave to any person who wants to do just that. Fix your eyes on something ahead of you. He said, if we keep our eyes focused on a building or a landmark or a fixed point on the horizon that doesn't move, as long as you keep that in your center, you can walk a straight line. And if Luke were telling the results of that experiment, he would say it this way. Follow the star." Because that's what the shepherds did. They watched that star in the night sky lead them from the darkness of their pasture into the bright light of Jesus. And the moment that star stopped, they stopped. When the star kept moving, they kept moving. And they didn't deviate direction one moment or another. And when the star stopped at the manger... They found Jesus. Friends, that's our calling this Advent. We're on a journey again. It's about to be culminated in a beautiful celebration of Jesus next weekend. But for now, here's your reminder. Keep your head up. Literally. Don't turn inward to find the next step on your own. Don't depend on your own wisdom or guidance or strength. Look ahead. Look forward to this God who is leading you, who is calling you, and who is encouraging you to overcome your inertia. And whatever that first step might be, for whatever problem you're facing, I mean, I can't possibly know the plethora of scenarios that are in this sanctuary today. All I know are mine, and I feel the same calling today. Take that first step. Follow this God who will lead us to this new bright light in Jesus. Because if we can fix our eyes on that Jesus and keep taking the next step when we're called to take it and avoid those crooked curves and all of those loop-de-loops that we tend to take, then we can keep our eyes fixed on God. Brothers and sisters, Lace up those shoes. Step outside the door. Take that first step. Salvatore Ambulando. Go for a walk with God. Let's pray together.
Gracious and eternal God, forgive us for our inertia. We are too used to walking in darkness. We are not used to light. And so when the light of new hope and possibility shines on us, we don't know what to do. But you encourage us to take that first step. Today in this sanctuary and online, you know that there are many people who are struggling with whatever that first step is that they need to take. Whether it be to find healing for themselves or healing in a relationship or to be advocates of justice for a problem in the world. Help us to at least take that first step and trust that when that next step is to come, you will show us when and you will show us how. We trust you, but we are also afraid. We long for you, yet you are already here. And with that in mind, lead us to the fullness of your love, revealed in this Jesus who came to give himself for us. For that, we are immeasurably grateful. In the name of that Jesus, we pray. Amen.